In 2020, the body of 30-year-old Susanna Susu Norton was discovered in an ex-Alaskan mayor's house, beaten and strangled. An autopsy determined the cause of death to be homicide. If this sounds familiar, it's because it's the same property where two years earlier the body of 25-year-old Jennifer Kirk was found. There have been no arrests made in either case. This is the story of Susanna Susu Norton. Hey guys, this is Ash. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. Okay, so Maggie, I have been waiting with bated breath for this part two, and I'm a little nervous about it, to be honest. Well, unfortunately, there's not a good outcome, but um, I thought we could just give a little recap from the last episode, our part one. So if you listened into the last episode, you can recall that we told a story about Jennifer Kirk, the 25-year-old mother of three who was found dead on the property of former Alaskan mayor Clements Richards Sr. Jennifer was the girlfriend of the son of the ex-mayor Anthony Richards, whom had been accused of and convicted of multiple domestic violent acts against Jennifer. However, despite the fact that she was found dead at the foot of the bed from an apparent gunshot wound and had strangulation marks around her neck, her death was ruled a suicide. During the story of Jennifer Kirk, we shared about the concerning history of domestic violence among the Richards family, not only of the clearly documented domestic violence history with Clement Richards Sr. and Anthony Richards, but also another son in this family, Amos Richards. Are the the women related? No. They're both in a PEC, but they're not related to my knowledge. So just two years after Jennifer Kirk's death, Susanna Susu Norton 30 years old, was found dead in the adjacent house on the former mayor's property. At the time of her death, she was in a romantic relationship with Amos Richards. So this is the same house that Jennifer was found in. And the same family. Like, it's not, people didn't, like, find that suspicious? I think that they did, yeah. It sounds like it's one of those situations where this family had a considerable amount of power or influence you know for such a small town and maybe feel like there's not much they can do about it or they're afraid to say something yeah on march 9th 2020 at 8 32 a.m the police were called to the richards property where they found Susanna norton's body lying on the floor with her head covered by a jacket it was reported that she had been strangled and beaten it was oh later determined that Susanna's official cause of death was to be homicide by asphyxiation due to obstruction of airways and compression of neck. And also reported that Susanna had suffered multiple blunt force injuries of head, neck, and extremities. It was clear that she had been beaten, but it was the act of strangulation that killed her. Okay, I'm a little nervous here because you just said it was determined to be a homicide, but this doesn't sound like this is going to end very well. Well, and you said it wasn't going to aid very well. So I'm nervous. Okay. And she was found in a residential home that Amos Richards lived in. Okay. Okay. So just a little bit about Susanna. Susanna was actually raised by an adoptive mother who is affectionately known as Mama Sue Norton. And she's really sweet. If you look up pictures of her, she looks like just like the sweetest little lady. So she was actually a traditional doctor <clears throat> or healer in the Inupiaq tribe. So she was a well-renowned person in their community. And she has been really involved in Susanna's case and has been an advocate for getting answers for what happened to her. Susanna's family was informed of her death. However, 
The police never told them of the tragic circumstances that contributed to her death. It wasn't really clear what they told her or what they told the family, but it was reported that the family was never formally informed that she had been strangled. Why would they not inform the family? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, Maybe it goes back to influential people controlling the narrative. Oh, okay. So to this day, despite the fact that her case was ruled a homicide, no one has been charged in her death. How is that even possible? Even though, like I said, she was found in a residential home, beaten and strangled to death. I don't know how to reconcile what you just said, because obviously somebody is responsible. It's a homicide. So yeah, you know, they did. It's been that has been determined that it was at the hands of someone else, um, but no one has been charged. It was reported that police were unable to collect certain evidence from the crime scene. There was multiple conflicting reports about why this would happen. But in one article, it stated the reason was or it stated the reason to be the rejection of a search warrant from the judge in regard to some evidence. And again, I'm not sure what this is referring to because the timeline and the facts about the investigation is really confusing. So in what feels like deja vu, it was reported that Susanna Norton and Amos Richards had a tumultuous relationship, which included multiple documented instances of domestic violence. One specific instance that I found was in 2018 when Susanna was six months pregnant. Police found her crying with a swollen black eye. And when she was interviewed, she reported that she had tried to get Amos to stop drinking by pouring out the beer that he had left. This is when he reportedly began kicking her in the head, (gasps) face, stomach, and back. While she was pregnant? And so was he arrested for that? Is that... As a result of this attack, Susanna was actually emergently flown to an Anchorage hospital where it was determined that her membrane had been ruptured and she would be delivering her baby prematurely. Her baby was born three months early and weighed only 3.1 pounds. And Susanna named her Eden. And Osh, I'm going to answer your question in a second. That's why I kind of jumped ahead. Okay. She is a tough baby girl, is what Susanna Norton posted on Facebook the day that she was born and said, please remember us in your prayers. So because baby Eden needed extra assistance as a premature baby, she had to stay in Anchorage longer than Susanna. And due to the inability for Susanna to stay in Anchorage, a foster family was identified so she could stay closer to the medical care she needed. Yeah, so ultimately, Eden ended up in foster care because she was very, very sick due to being premature and needed a lot of medical attention. Mama Sue Norton said in an interview that she would often call the foster family and sang to baby and Inupiaq over FaceTime. So... What's really awesome about this situation is that foster family, the wife, has actually been a diehard advocate for bringing justice to Susanna's case. She's even written letters to the police agency in charge of her crime, reporting um, basically mistreatment in her case. She hasn't gotten any answers, but she has been a very good advocate for Susanna. Is there a way we can do like a petition or something to bring attention to this case? Because this is ridiculous. Sure there is. And I was thinking that too, when I was finishing up this story is this is a story people need to hear about outside of Alaska. Absolutely. Because this is a clear case of corruption. And this is how abusers continue to abuse. You got to shine light on these kind of situations because of what they do stays hidden in this tiny little community, where is the accountability? There is none. It's just like Longhorn, Montana. Yeah. Surely there's more we can do because this isn't right. Well, it gets worse. So just keep listening. Oh, great. What, so, what, year, what year did this happen in? 
Remind me. Uh, 2020 and 2018 is Jennifer when Jennifer Kirk died. This is two years after part one. So I just spoke about the incident where um, Amos beat Susanna while she was pregnant. So if you recall, this is almost the same exact scenario that involved his father, Richard Clement Sr., when he kicked his eight-month pregnant wife in the stomach in 1989 while she was pregnant with Ooh. Anthony Richards. And I thought that was just like, like it, it gave me chill bumps a little bit because it's literally like the same exact scenario just repeating itself between father and son. That's pretty much what I would call like a clear example of how the cycle of abuse works. They grew up in it, they see it, and they just perpetuate that cycle. We can kind of hash this out later, but, you know, Asha's mentioned it before is like the chaos theory is basically like what you grew up in and what you survived in is what you perpetuate. Ultimately, Amos was charged with assault for kicking Susanna in the stomach, to which he pled guilty. However, just like in the case of Anthony Richards, state prosecutors allowed him to avoid a felony domestic violent a felony of domestic violent conviction and instead allowed him to plead to a lesser crime of a single count of reckless endangerment. Okay, that ain't reckless endangerment. It's attempted murder. Yeah. Maybe not attempted murder, but it's serious. I mean, you gotta know there's gonna be some kind of repercussion if you kick a pregnant woman in the stomach. I mean he that, could have killed her. Yeah. He could have killed the baby. So I couldn't find any clear documentation on if he served time for this crime or exactly what the plea deal was. But if it was anything like the plea deals his brother Anthony got, I can only imagine that there was very minimal punishment for this horrific crime. Well, and didn't you say Anthony's bail was what, like $100? Bail was set at $100. That blows my mind. It's just horrific. So this family history of abuse is more than concerning. And it almost feels as if this house is like a house of horrors as two women have lost their life in the same home under questionable circumstances. What makes this family and property even more terrifying is the amount of violent incidents that were documented over the years. So according to the Alaskan Daily News, all three sons have been charged with assaulting women at the mayor's property, but dodged serious punishment. The Daily News and ProPublica reviewed 31 criminal court cases inc- involving the three sons, including more than 800 pages of charging documents, testimony, sentencing orders, and protective order requests. In 12 of those cases, one of the sons was charged with committing domestic violence. The victims, six different women, included the son's relatives and current and ex-girlfriends, including Kirk and Norton. The other criminal cases involved driving while intoxicated, indecent exposure, and trespassing. So it sounds like these kids are just shits. Yeah, and they're getting away with everything. You said 31 between them? Yeah. Seven of these domestic violent cases were filed while Clement Sr. held political office from 1999 to 2018. All told, the three sons have been charged with a combined 16 counts of domestic violence, (gasps) including five felonies. Yet none of the charges against them resulted in a felony domestic violence conviction. So a combined 16 counts... And not one of them were a felony domestic violence conviction. In each domestic violence case, a reoccurring pattern emerged in seven instances. It all began it all began with a concerned call from either a girlfriend or a vigilant neighbor to the Kotzebue police. Responding officers were confronted with a scene of distress as the victim had visible wounds, bruises, neck markings, or a bloody nose. The narrative unfolded as the girlfriend recounted physical abuse attributing her violence to one of the mayor's sons who she claimed had resorted to punching, kicking, or strangling her. So strangulation seems like a common theme here too. Yeah. 
The root of these assaults, as explained to the police, often began with the woman's attempt to intervene the son's indulgent drinking, her efforts to leave the house, or her refusal of sexual advances. In two instances, the mayor or his wife resisted cooperation with the ongoing investigation. Despite the severity of the allegations, the the Kotzebue Police Department consistently opted to arrest the son, categorizing the attacks as low-level misdemeanors rather than felony assaults. The narrative continued as both Amos and Anthony found themselves standing before a local judge or magistrate, often someone who had previously served as a state prosecutor alongside the ex-mayor's wife. The judge or magistrate agreed to set bail for the son, once even acknowledging on the record that the bail was unusually low and telling the victim that the mayor and his wife would help keep the son out of trouble until the trial. However, the anticipated trials were never materialized. Instead, the cases reached a resolution at a change of plea hearing where prosecutors dropped any felony charges and the son made promises to reform instead of prosecuting the Richards brothers for their crimes. So they just got away with everything. Yep. And all they had to do was promise they would do better. And it's just because of who their parents were and who their parents knew. It certainly seems that way. In the case of Susanna Norton, the Kotzebue Police Department suspects foul play and has made the statement that they are, quote, pursuing all investigative leads. However, this statement was made by investigator Maletti, the same detective that closed Jennifer Kirk's case without an arrest. By the time of Susanna's death in 2020, Investigator Maletti had become chief of police. Mm. Yeah. And you think it's because he closed the case? Because I think it is. I have a lot of things running through my mind that I'm just not going to say out loud because I don't want to get sued. Maletti was in charge of the police department when another crime involving a death came to light. Volunteers raised thousands of dollars in reward money, and the story made statewide news for days. After police released a surveillance photo of the suspect, a tipster came forward and identified the killer who pled guilty to a felony. The victim was a dog, the city's fire department pet husky. While he was chief of police, while these two cases were still open and there were questionable circumstances, he issued a statewide, no, I guess he didn't issue the statewide. He he issued a reward money and um, asked for tipsters in regards to this case. The case was involving a dog. Yeah, a dog. A dog, but not two women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it goes back to what we always say. There's been other police departments that do the very similar things where they'll raise awareness for issues that are not as important as someone's life. No, you mean indigenous women, because we know all too well about how indigenous women are represented in the media compared to women who are not indigenous. And like you said, like I, I love animals, too. But I know that people deserve better treatment than animals. Exactly. And in this case, at least the equal treatment. Right? Like that's, I mean, even that would be better than nothing. So I'm going to wrap up. Mama Sue Norton describes Susanna as a kind daughter and remembers her most of all as a helper. She recalled the last moment she could remember with Susanna. She was sitting on the floor while she and the family butchered a caribou together. As of September of 2021, the Katsubo police had never inquired to interview Mama Sue Norton and had also not reached out to any of Susanna's friends or family or any potential witnesses, including declining to interview any of the Richards family's neighbors. Jesus. Today, there is a new police chief in Katsubo, Alaska. 
but Susanna's death remains an open case and now is in the hands of the Alaska State Troopers. The circumstances surrounding the passing of both of these young Inupiaq mothers, Susanna, Sue, Sue Norton, and Jennifer Kirk, raise concerns, to say the least. I'm sorry, but this whole story was just crap. And then you add in the fact that these men had all these charges and were basically just let go and not held accountable for any of the things that they did. It is mind-blowing. It does seem like this community has taken note of what's happened because Richard or Clement Richard Sr. did not get reelected in 2018. So clearly, you know, there are people in the community who are not taking a blind eye to what's happened. So I hope that that at least causes them to change their behavior in that aspect. The issue is, if you recall, I said that the judge declined to issue a search warrant. So any evidence that was in the home is not going to be there anymore. So, I mean, the first 48 is really true, you know, like you have to get the evidence and the stuff beforehand, otherwise it won't be there. And it's been four years, six years now. Well, four for Susanna and six for Jennifer. What I think is really upsetting, I guess, for me is the level of work they went to to find out what happened to the dog when they have all these resources and all this stuff that they could have done for these women. And they just chose not to. Exactly. They chose not to. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.